0: Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and now the Joe Biden presidency. We will be looking at how a 78-year-old president will change America and we'll be asking if normalcy, which is what he promised to bring, has returned to American politics. The answer, of course, is no. I'm joined today by The Spectator's Washington editor, Amber Athey, and The Spectator's managing editor, Matt McDonald. And they are both in Florida, where they are attending CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. Now, Amber, first of all, you, well, actually both of you at the same time, what's it like being in Florida? I get the impression that it's the state of freedom.
1: It is absolutely lovely. You can go to a bar, You don't have to wear a mask in a lot of the businesses. I will say that some businesses have taken, you know, their own liberty to have mask mandates or have certain social distancing rules. But for the most part, Florida is open for business. We've been out to several bars where you can just mingle and sit and enjoy your drinks and not have to wear a mask. There's no mask mandate outside like there is in DC and Virginia. So as long as you're not in the hotel, you can just roam free. And it's really such a relief. I I think everyone here that I've spoken to keeps talking about, you know, even if we come out of this pandemic and a lot of the restrictions get lifted, CPAC should continue to be in Orlando because Florida is such a great state. The weather's perfect. And there's so much to do here compared to National Harbor.
2: I'm amazed that there are still people who live in the Northeastern United States because... It is staggering how much better it is being down here than being in D.C. or New York. Not that I'm trying to make you jealous, but it is is amazing.
1: (laughs) I have have a friend from New York who's actually kind of liberal, and he even came down to Orlando to live here temporarily in an Airbnb. And him and his girlfriend are still wearing masks everywhere and being really cautious. But even just, even for them, they love being in Florida because they have the freedom to choose that,
2: and it's a, it's a state where the governor doesn't seem to want to be really involved in the average citizen's life, which just is
0: not true of a lot of parts of America. Well, tell us about how I mean seabacks normally in Maryland near Washington, it's normally a fairly eclectic and often portrayed an extremely eccentric right wing event. Amber, I know you've just done your own event, but generally, would you say it's wackier in Florida or is it slightly more normal?
1: i i think it's pretty much the same crowd as at national harbor you know anyone who's going to travel from the midwest to go to outside of dc for cpac is going to come to florida as well so there hasn't Mm. been much difference there the biggest concern i would imagine for the organizers the acu would be getting high profile speakers because obviously if you're trying to get members of congress then they can just take an uber to get to national harbor it's a bit more involved to fly down to Florida and get a hotel and all that. But the speaker lineup has still been really high profile. They've had a lot of really big names. Obviously, Trump is coming tomorrow. Today, there was Mike Pompeo. Christine Nome is set to speak. So they haven't had really any problem getting people to come down to Florida. And, and you know, like Matt said, why would you not want to come here during a time like this?
2: To your question, obviously with CPAC, one of the other big factors is the people who aren't Asked to attend and who tend to get kicked out, and some of them are still around. So, like Nick Fuentes and the Groypers have been doing a fringe event. I gather I heard that Louis Theroux has apparently been following him around and is doing his next special on the Groypers.
1: Well, um, well Paul Gosar, actually from Arizona, did a speech at their Groyper conference, and then when he was criticized for it, hosted a photo having lunch with Nick Fuentes. So he has. Fully cancelled himself at this point,
0: I guess. <laughs> well, well, Nick Fuentes has been invited onto Americano, so we can't be too judgmental <laughs> <laughs> about that. I think uh, not a great decision. <laughs> watching it from afar, it seems to me that the most ridiculous speech was Ted Cruz's, particularly the when Ted Cruz decided to quote Braveheart and then said in the immortal words of William Wallace and screamed freedom. It was How would how did the crowd react to Ted Cruz? Because obviously he's had quite a rough time recently with his trip to Cancun and so on.
1: So he actually, I mean, the crowd loves Ted at CPAC. He's always been a big hit here. So even though he was very cringe, they still loved him. I was actually on a clubhouse earlier today where Matt Gates was speaking and he was talking about how if he had been busted for the Cancun trip, that he would have never apologized for it and that Ted Cruz should not have apologized for it. And that really he should lean into the scandal and make a joke out of it, which I guess he kind of did, right? Because yeah. he talked about how Orla- the weather is nicer in Cancun than in Orlando. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's probably the appropriate reaction to it, because no matter, I mean, you have all these Democratic politicians who have been hypocrites since the beginning of the pandemic, and they don't really catch as much flack for it. Just now, like 10 months later, Andrew Cuomo getting his fair share of media scrutiny, but... You know, for a Republican, they don't. It's not even hypocritical. He just wants to go on vacation, and there's this huge media maelstrom. So, you know, I think Gates is actually right on that that count.
2: Maybe there is a crowd somewhere that that would hold Ted Cruz to account. It's not CPAC. It's that that would never happen
0: here. Well, let's talk about who's. Emer- I mean, I realize Trump is going to talk tomorrow, and that's going to be the big showpiece event, and we'll talk about that in a second. But has anyone emerged as? let's say Trump, doesn't run in 2024. Has anyone emerged as a likely successor to Trump? Has anyone done their standing any any good at CPAC? I saw Josh Hawley's speech got some good yeah. write-ups. Ron DeSantis was very good
2: yes. yesterday morning at 9, at 9 a.m.
1: Yeah, DeSantis and Hawley, I, I would say, were the standouts. And what was different about Hawley's speech from his normal political speeches is that he was very visibly and audibly fired up. He was very mad about how he's been maligned and his family's been maligned because all because of the fist pump photo during or just before the Capitol riots. And if you have a Josh Hawley, that's a bit less academic and philosophical and a bit more red meaty for the base. I mean, that could potentially be a very effective way of of him messaging you know, populism to the working class coalition that Trump helped to build.
2: Ultimately, yesterday, Don Jr. referred to the event as TPAC. Rather than CPAC, in that you know, effectively, you know, Trump is but Trump remains the Republican Party, and it's not like it was. I mean, my first CPAC was four years ago in twenty seventeen, where Trump had just won. It was a much more nervous coalition of you know, you still had like liber, libertarians, you still had Never Trump Republicans who would attend. That's not the case anymore. Like those, those guys, those guys yeah. are not are not speaking.
1: There are no Never Trump Republicans here at all. It's all, you know, pro Trump people. There's a lot of populism. So for my panel, which was on woke capitalism, I had two congressmen on the panel. There was Warren Davidson from Ohio and Roger Williams from Texas. And Williams is a fair bit older than Davidson. And you know, I asked a question about whether or not the government should start legislating ways to make sure people have fair access to the market as these corporations continue to become more progressive. And I was very surprised when Congressman Davidson criticized the Republican Party for worshiping the free market too much, and he talked about how the government was created to instill virtue rather than just staying out of people's lives. And he's a relatively new and young congressman, so hearing that from him kind of signaled to me that this this trend with Trumpism is here to stay.
0: And everyone you speak to, do they are they determine that Trump should be Donald Trump senior should be the nominee in 2024?
2: I spoke to someone who's running a merchandise stand in like the kind of more conventionally part of it and she she said that she had Trump 2024 stuff but she wasn't going to start selling it until Sunday quote when he announces which obviously is not going to happen he's going to play he's going to play the crowd he's going to tease and be like do you think I should run and and like get get the applause lines.
0: Amber, are you as certain as Matt that he's not going to declare his intention to run in 2024?
1: Yeah, I actually agree with that assessment. I think it's too early. and I mean, he played this game for like 20 years, right, Mm. before he eventually ran in 2015, where he teased about potentially running and he was constantly asked when he went on these various talk shows. And for him, it's more about the adoration and the attention than it is you know, confirming or denying whether or not he's running. So I think he is gonna he's going to tease, but he won't announce.
2: He he loves CPAC, <laughs> though. He, he, cre- he credits Matt Schlapp with encouraging him to run when he actually did run.
1: Yes, and remember, really? he loves to hug the American flag when he comes out on stage, so I'm really hoping he does that again. It's always a crowd pleaser, and it's just hilarious.
0: And do we expect him to do a lot of the stolen election narrative in his speech, or is there an idea that he might try and move the conversation on a bit?
1: I think he's still going to talk about it. He's also going to talk about immigration and just go after the Biden administration for a lot of his executive orders. But obviously, the stop and steal stuff is not, you know, off limits here, because Holly even talked about it when in his speech, he actually explained why he chose to vote against the certification of the election, and pointed out that There have been many Democrats who have done the same thing for the past twenty years. Every time a Republican wins, so if Josh Hawley is you know feels safe enough to talk about it here, I assume his topics were at least somewhat pre-screened by CPAC and the ACU. Then I would imagine Trump is going to talk about it too,
2: significantly as well. Mike Pence is the only person who you well, he's the only like Trumpist potential twenty twenty four candidate who isn't here and isn't speaking, and I think there's probably a reason for that.
0: Matt, I know your favorite. We didn't talk about her before we got into Trump. Sorry, I know your favorite, Kirstie Noem, is here. It's fair to say you're a big, you're a big fan.
2: We just saw her in the VIP area, and she has the most toned arms that I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's unbelievable. Michelle Obama can't hold a candle to this woman's arms.
2: She's speaking right now, but I, again, I think that she's probably another likely contender in your, Mm -hmm. in the DeSantis camp. But she'd be a
1: very good VP pick.
2: That's the thing, that's what these guys, like you might have anticipated maybe two months ago that CPAC was there to basically show who the 2024 nominee would be. But I think actually a lot of these guys are effectively just auditioning to be Trump's vice presidential candidate Mm -hmm. in 2024.
1: Yeah, like my, so my family members who are very pro-Trump and want him to run again are they keep telling me you need to find trump's people and tell them that desantis needs to be the vice president (laughs) i'm like okay i'm not going to see trump's people but i I will pass the message along i would also like to point out because this is some like fun inside insider baseball type stuff the vip lounge this year is heads and tails above how it was in national harbor they had a very small green room which naturally got Kind of infamous last year because that was where there was the uh the super spreader COVID guy oh, yeah. who who gave COVID apparently to everyone in the green room. This year they actually have three different lounges for speakers with an open bar and a buffet, coffee, any drinks you can imagine, and it's very swanky. They've really upped their game this year.
0: What's well, quite interesting is that Florida is the sort of gravitational pull. It's set the new center of gravity for. The American right now. And it's perhaps sort of more natural that, that CPAC is, at, is in Florida, which Trump just won again in the last presidential election, and is very much the sort of fulcrum of, of what people talk about when they talk about the new Trump coalition.
1: Yeah, exactly. I've met a ton of people here out at events who recently moved to either Miami or Orlando and got out of places like DC and New York. I mean, at least partially because of the lockdowns, but also because there really is sort of a a growing conservative movement down here which is entirely new it's and and a bit surprising I guess because they're doing something a bit trendy I w- I would say and normally conservatives are a bit behind the ball on these type of cultural movements but in this case they're really right on target.
0: Well I'll let you both get on with enjoying your in the immortal words of William Wallace freedom Have a lovely time. And if Trump says something particularly unusual tomorrow, perhaps we could do a quick uh, podcast about that.
2: Absolutely.
1: Sounds good.